several of you, most of you, I don't know, uh, maybe could uh, uh, care less about this, uh, this particular study, uh, how, where we're talking about uh, the, uh, the origin and the growth of the English Bible. Um, as I said last week, the reason why I uh, started back out our Wednesday night service with this is that I've had, uh, uh, I have been asked about it and uh, wanted to explain, but <laughs> as it happens a whole lot, when uh, somebody comes to me and asks me if, if I would d- discuss something, uh, the one who, who asked it is not here. <laughs> they were here last Wednesday night, and they're not here tonight. So, I mean, uh, uh, whatever. So, but we're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run through this uh, uh, quickly this evening because I want to finish this uh, tonight so we can get back directly into the Scripture itself. Next Wednesday night... It's going to uh, will will not be a, a service here because it begins the missions conference uh, at uh, FAC. Brother Donald Lance will be preaching in the night services. Uh, the men that have been to the men's conference will uh, uh, remember Brother uh, Lance, I'm sure, uh, powerful speaker. And of course, that's great. I like I like the night services and the worship and the and the word, but. Uh, uh, the day services with the missionaries is what uh, what makes it for me uh, to hear what God is doing around the globe, and God is doing some mighty things. I just I wish that we could uh, uh, America could really begin to get in the kind of revival that's going on in other in other countries. Uh, seems like sometimes uh, we have a hard time. Uh, praying the victory over somebody that's that uh, that's got a, a toothache or a headache, and uh, I get in in my contact with missionaries all the time as working as a mission secretary. I mean, I listen. It is it is nothing in some of these third world nations uh, uh, to uh, it's it's almost a it's a common occurrence. It ain't just once in a blue moon, but I mean. To have somebody totally blind have their eyes return to sight in a service. Somebody lame can't walk, um, uh, get healed and start walking. Even the dead raised. Hallelujah. Now, praise the Lord. We, we, need, to, we need to reach up. Amen. And uh, so we can see that kind of move of the Holy. If God can do it there, he can do it here. Hallelujah. It's been done years past. It's been done years past, hallelujah, but um, it has been uh, uh, been a while, hallelujah. But let's get uh, uh, in this t- uh, to uh, night. Uh, put up that uh, first screen there, the language and forms of the word, uh, and go ahead with the second one. This is a scripture that um, we uh, sprung off of. Psalms 119 and 89, it says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And I told you last week as we broke that word, that word settled, when you look at it in the original, uh, it's, uh, it really gives you something to think about. 
uh, it um, it means t- uh, uh, on on the surface to be established, to be established. But as I told uh, told those that was here last Wednesday night, we got some of the wooden here last Wednesday night. I want to re- I want to repeat this: when you're looking and doing some study, and if you're doing particular word study in the Bible. And you really want to know uh, the author who, when he wrote it, what he what he was really referring to. If you look in other people's writings who wrote back in that time and how people use various words in common everyday language, you get a better picture. And that uh, said that to say this: that word, stay, uh, that word, settled in heaven. It goes back, and they use the same word to talk about a pillar, the pillars of a building. Uh, and that's they use that same word for pillars of a building. It's, it's, it's structure. It's what holds things up. Amen. And, you know, when, when Samson prayed for God to give him his strength back, they had tied him between what two, two pillars, and he bared down with all his might, and he broke those pillars, and the whole place, the whole house, came down. And the Bible said he killed more people at his death, more Philistines at his death, than all through his life. And stop and think about it. If you remember, he fought a battle one time and killed a thousand Philistines with a jawbone of an ass. Hallelujah. But he, the Bible said he killed more Philistines. Hallelujah. And the pillars, that they, a lot of the bigger buildings um, uh, back in those days, you, know, you think about the Parthenon, you see the pillars that are all around it. And, that, and, and, and that's what this word settled right here about the Word of God. The Word of God is like that. Hallelujah. It's a pillar. It's what gives strength. It's what holds things up. And the reason why I'm using this scripture, because we're talking about various versions and different people's uh, translations uh, of, of the scripture. Listen, there's some people today putting out scripture translations that, 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 that's not worth nothing. Amen. But it don't matter what man says or how man tries to change the word. That word's forever settled. Hallelujah! No matter, I, I can uh, say what I want to say against it, or try to twist it, or or, or or whatever, like many do. But the Word of God, Amen. It's been established. It's a pillar standing, Amen. That holds everything. Praise the Lord. Uh, let's look at our, our, our next one. Uh, now we're gonna we're gonna get uh, last week. I talked about the three aspects of the word. Uh, the uh, uh, the spoke. There's the spoken word. Uh, there is the written word, and there is the living word. Uh, that's the three different aspects. Um, we had that on screen, but it's not on screen this week. Because I'm, but I'm, I'm r- reminding you, the spoken word is uh, and the the example about that. It's back in the beginning when uh, there was no light, and God said. 
Hallelujah. He spoke the worlds into existence. Amen. And that's, that's the spoken word. And God said. Uh, and then uh, the living word. Who's the living word? Jesus. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. Verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus is the living word. I've seen a lot of <laughs> uh, fellows run around uh, try to claim that title themselves. Well, I don't know. I, you know, I, I'm the word. You, you might have the word in you, but you're not the living word. There's only one living word, and that's Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You may have him in him, and I hope you do have him in you. He needs to be in you. Uh, then there is the written word. Now, for... Uh, for a long time, uh, from the beginning up to the time of Moses, there was nothing, there was no written word, nothing for people to go, to go by. Uh, and, uh, oh, I can't think the man's name. Uh, yeah, he's, he was one of the most powerful ministers of the 18th century. Uh, early now, excuse me, early 19th century. Uh, his name was Leonard Ravenhill. I have studied a lot of his books, and uh, there's one book uh, I particularly that always stuck with me. The name of that book is Sodom Had No Bible. Now think about that. Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed by God with fire because of their sin. But Sodom didn't have the benefit of a Bible. There was no Bible for Sodom and Gomorrah. For several hundred years from Adam up into the time of Moses, the only thing that they could rely on, amen, was the, they weren't even called prophets back then. They were called seers, people that, uh, that could see in, uh, in, into the prophetic realm. Uh, and... Um, here come Moses, a man who had a relationship that, like nobody had ever had before, and ain't nobody ever since had a relationship with God like Moses. And Acts 31, well, I was fixing to read the scripture. <laughs> uh, I, I can't, uh, yes, sister. Seer, yeah. Yeah, uh huh, yeah. Uh, you can look it up. I, I can't remember the scripture, but there's a scripture in the Old Testament uh, that says that aforetime a prophets were called seers, uh, S-E-E-R-S, uh, and that's what they were called for a long time. And those seers was the only ones people, only thing people had to go by uh, until Moses come along. And when he had made an end of speaking with him on Mount Sinai, that's, we're talking about God. He gave Moses two tables of the testimony, tablets of stone written with what? The finger of God. Now you can go to that picture, and there you go. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Ah, oh, when Moses came down from that mountain, they couldn't, people couldn't stand to look at him. He had to put a veil over his face because he literally glowed 
My Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. And that right there, those, those ten commandments, marks the beginning of the written word of God. That marked the beginning. And then later on, after this time, of course, uh, God began to, to talk to, uh, to Moses and speak to him. Uh, and uh, Moses uh, put, uh, put the law together according to God and wrote the first uh, five books uh, of, the, uh, 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 of the Old Testament, which the Jews call the Torah. Uh, and uh, let's go to the next one. And um, for a long time, this right here, is what people would have to read the written word of God, uh, and it was it was it was called the Law and the Prophets. The Law representing Matthew, Mark, uh, excuse me, Matthew, uh, uh, representing Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and then the Prophets. Uh, and uh, Sister Darlene and I saw some. Uh, very beautiful scrolls like similar to this when we went and had that tour of that Jewish synagogue. If you ever get a chance to do that, you ought to do that. It, uh, it, is, uh, it is amazing, really amazing. Hallelujah. Okay, let's go with our next slide. From that on, um, from the scrolls, we got uh, uh, different forms and shapes and uh, everything that that the scriptures uh, uh, had taken on uh, down through time. Next next slide. Here uh, we find a printed uh, uh, version of the Old Testament, and that is Hebrew writing. There, that's what it was originally. The re- original words. And uh, next screen, please. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, just hold it, uh, hold it right there for just for a moment. Uh, uh, go. I'm looking. I'm looking for the the screen that's got this copy here, Chris. Uh, of the uh, is yeah. Now here's here's what I want to try to quickly run down tonight. Uh, the uh. The original manuscripts uh, are long, long gone. They hadn't been none of them and uh, left in, uh, in thousands of years. Um, and then uh, when they had the original manuscripts, as they were getting older, the, the scribes meticulously took the old the original manuscripts as they was originally written uh and made copies now i know you've heard heard preachers and people talk in church about the scribes and the pharisees well now scribes if you want what scribe it, the 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 main job of a scribe was to make copies of the scriptures there was no printing press, no kind of no whatever, and for for hundreds and hundreds of years, scribes made copies, 
and uh, that's what their job was. And the, um, the the most ancient copies, then the ancient uh, uh, copies, uh, those uh, uh, came by hand, and they, of course the men were a, um, anointed by God. They was inspired by God. And they went through a very tedious uh, process. And uh, the, uh, the early copies, uh, you, can, you could see them if you could go to certain uh, museums around the world. They have them. Uh, it's kind of like the Declaration of Independence here uh, under thick glass. And uh, they, they are still, uh, still uh, avail- uh, available and still around. Where we want, where we want to, to begin with is where, if you can see it up here on the paper I passed out, you've probably seen this before. All I, did, I copied this out of the back of one of my study Bibles. It's where I got that. It's a, uh, the Thompson Chain uh, uh, Bible. Well, you see ancient virgins. Now, that's uh, ancient virgins are people that didn't copy like the scribes, but they translated from one language to another. And at this time, they began to take, take those that they had and they would translate them into a, an, another language so people in the area that they were in could read and understand. And one of the ancient versions, you still, uh, they're around, you can uh, 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 um, get, um, there's places that keep them, and like I said, go back to museums. Go back to that um, screen, Chris, where I had the word Septuagint. The Septuagint is one of the most important Bible translations uh, that a lot of people's never heard of. But the Septuagint was was translated from Hebrew into Greek, uh, and uh, they, as you as you can see, now I can recognize. Some of these words up here, because I've studied a little bit of Greek, and I can recognize some of the Greek uh, words uh, in this written. And that right there is what the Septuagint looked like. How many remember the story when Jesus went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and uh, the rabbi asked him there, oh, the son got asked him, was there anything he wanted to say or whatever? And the Bible says that Jesus got up. He read from the scriptures, uh, uh, and the scriptures uh, he, he said uh, that that said the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me, you know, to preach the gospel, you know, to the poor. And I'm sure everybody knows knows that the Septuagint was the version that Jesus was reading out of. This is the version. It, it, it was in a scroll. It was in a scroll, uh, like what I showed you a few minutes ago. But um, it, it had been trans, uh, translated. 
Uh, the Septuagint version is the translation of the Old Testament Hebrew scriptures into Greek. It was done in Alexandria, Egypt. It was made 285 years before Christ. So that's when the that, that was the very first version of the scriptures. It was it was only Old Testament, but that was the very first, and it was called the Septuagint, and it's the one that Jesus read from. It's the one the Apostle Paul read from and taught from. All the apostles. That's the version that they used back in that day. And uh, that's all that they had for a good long while. Okay, let's move our screen on to uh, up. There right there is, I know you can't see it very well, but that right there is a, is a, uh, a picture taken of one, uh, one of the, uh, uh, one of the uh, Septuagint uh, that was, is under glass, and I forget what uh, museum it's in. But uh, that right there is the eyes, that the Apostle, with Apostle Paul's eyes, what he read scriptures from. Uh, and, uh, and all the New Testament saints, uh, that's the one that they used. Okay, let's move, move on. Now, on, on our paper here, we come up to um, uh, John Wycliffe. And if you'll see it uh, uh, on, on your paper, notice that it sits on something called the Vulgate. That was, uh, the Vulgate was a Latin translation. It was written... Uh, uh, and translated into Latin. Now, we all know that the Roman Catholic Church is the one who propagated in the beginning of all the false teachings, came up with the Trinity, come up with baptism and the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and, uh, and, and everything. I want, I want everybody to understand that is the reason why that they was able to pull the wool over everybody's eye. For hundreds of years, this guy, uh, not this guy up here, I, I got ahead of myself there, but the Vulgate, written in Latin, and if you ever sometimes turn the TV on, you see a, a Catholic preaching, you, priest, and you hear him talking some kind of um, weird language doing their mass and everything, they steal a lot of, they, they use the Latin, and that Vulgate was, was a Catholic rendition. English people who talked English, they didn't know a thing in the world was, was being said. They would, go to, they would go to the church, and he'd get up there, and he'd read from the Scriptures and tell people what the Scriptures said. And they did not have a clue. They didn't have, that is the reason, folks, that the Catholic Church was able to do what they did. And, I mean, just put out all the false teaching and stuff that we still have to contend with today. Uh, by this time, we've, we've come up several, several uh, hundreds of years, and the only 
Bible, the only Bible that they had in English-speaking countries like England, anywhere else, was a Bible written in Latin, and the common people didn't even own the copy. Most of the time, the priest is the only one that had copies of it. They didn't need to own one because they didn't know what, they couldn't read it. And they had to depend upon that priest. They had to depend upon that priest. And then, and if you'll notice, in, thir- in the year 1330 through 1384, there was a man by the name of John uh, Wycliffe. Uh, during the Dark Ages, very little Bible translations was attempted. There was a few minor translations made in portions of the Bible. John Wycliffe, he was a great English scholar and Bible student, and he conceived a plan translating the whole Bible into English. This, his, his version, his translation, was the very first English version in the Bible that was written in an English language. And he really, he really helped start the Reformation. We talk about Martin Luther a little bit later, later on coming out of the Catholic Church. But when John Wycliffe began to uh, translate out, out from the Latin into, into the English, that, that was the English back in that day, people began to read. They begin to see what the Bible said. What happened? They begin to leave the Catholic Church in groves. They realize that what the mamas and daddies taught, the grandparents, was all false and all wrong. They were leaving the Catholic Church because they could read the Word of God on their own. Uh, next, uh, next slide. This right here is a copy of the Wycliffe Bible. Now, this is written in English, but notice how the word Matthew is spelled right there. And look at that word gospel. This is one, this is one thing that, for some reason, a lot of people have a hard time understanding. All languages evolve. Don't no language in any language ever stay the same. Back in the early days... Uh, of the Anglo-Saxon people, this is how, this is how they read and how they how they how they spoke and how and this right here was how that they the English people read. Man, I can't. Uh, I get up here close, but majority I can make out Jacob begat Joseph, uh, and different things. But the English language was so different back then. If this was the only English Bible we had, we'd be up a creek. We would, you know, we'd be about like the people all they had was a Latin Bible. Okay, let's go on to the next one. Oh, by the way, let me tell you now, these men that did this, the Catholics were so strung out and they got so mad the last fellow, Wycliffe, which his name was, was the, the, the Bible, he had been dead 43 years, and the Catholic Church ordered to dig up his, his body, and they burnt his bones and scattered him over the river. People say, well, what good did that do? Well, 
the Catholics believed that if they'd done that, they stopped John Wycliffe from be, being able to take part in the resurrection. They thought that, that would, he, would, he wouldn't be able to be resurrected when Jesus come. So they dug up it. He died. They couldn't. They, he died before they got a chance to kill him. But they, they dug his body up. That's like people come to me today and ask, ask uh, for counsel, you know, about uh, the uh, uh, cremation, whatever. And I says, that don't matter. All of our bodies goes back to dust anyway. Hallelujah. Amen. The Apostle Paul said that which is planted is not what's going to come up. Glory to God. Amen. But, yeah, they, they did that. And then the next one, William uh, Tyndale. And uh, William Tyndale, uh, 1494 to 1536, he was the next great English translator. He was, he was very courageous. He was a reformer. And he was determined that the English common people should have the Bible in their own language. He was fed up with the lies of the Catholic Church. This is a pretty good likeness of him, too, by the way. This was taken from a, a painting made of him. This is pre, a, a pretty good likeness of him. And um, he, he translated the whole Bible. The first one, John uh, Wycliffe, um, he, uh, he died before he got it all, his all completed. Next slide. Here is a copy of his Bible. This is the Wycliffe Bible. Some of them have somebody asked me uh, one time, well, you mean tell me that there was other English Bibles, Bibles before the King James? I said, there were, there were many. It was a process of growth. And God led these men as much as he, that he guided the 47. Now, even though these were individuals, but he directed these men because God wanted his, uh, uh, his word in the hands of common people. It ain't no difference in what uh, uh, we are translating Bibles by the thousands today and still other languages of the world. They ain't never had them translated. They ain't had a Bible in their, in their language. Uh, and that, that is important. Uh, next slide. I want to read this. They, uh, they brought uh, Tyndale up before the tribunal. They got him, and he was tried. And this is what he said. He said, if God spare my life ere many years, I will cause the boy who drives the plow to know more of the scriptures than thou do. He was talking to that old Catholic priest that had him on trial. He was telling him, he, he, he had the boldness. It's kind of like a movie we saw the other, with that teenage girl, even in the face of death. He was standing there with a man that was ready to put him, put him to death and, he, uh, and, try, uh, and try him. He said, listen, he, says, I, he said, it's my ambition that I'll cause a boy who drives a plow to know more scriptures than thou do. Hallelujah. Thank God for men like him who love the Word, amen, and love truth. Let's, let's go on to the next slide. There we have uh, a copy there. Okay, next slide. I've, I've, I've got to, uh, this right here 
uh, were moving up uh, the the Coverdale uh, was that that came on my his name was Miles Coverdale um, and go go back to this slide uh, right here, Chris. I want I want to point out something. Now, if you'll notice on your paper, this is important. Now, Wycliffe here, by your paper, notice it's laying flat on the Latin Vulgate. Now, when he translated, he did not go back to the ancient uh, copies or most ancient copies, but his translation came directly from the Latin Vulgate. He, he translated it out of Latin into, into uh, English, the English in his day. Now, Tyndale, I want you to notice the, this bar coming down to the side. When he did his translations, he, he bypassed the Vulgate, the one that, that the Catholics did, and he based his, he based his on, on the ancient copies. Went back and uh, his was closer to the original. And that's the way it is on each one of these. If you see those bars that come down, that represents uh, the, the ones that that translation was made. Miles Coverdale, Matthew Bible. Okay, let's move back up on our screen. Matthew Bible right here. This right here uh, became a very popular English version Bible uh, in 1537. Oh, and by the way, uh, William Tyndale, after they tried him, they tied him to a stake and burned him alive for, for translating the Scriptures into English. Uh, it cost him his life. The Matthews Bible... Uh, 1537, uh, about the time uh, and uh, it came out, and uh, a man by the name of John Rogers, you might remember that name through American history. Uh, he was a friend and companion of Tyndale, uh, and this was a translation. More and more people began uh, to translate then into the English language. All right, go to the next slide. Um, next slide, please. Then we have what was called the Great Bible. If you look on your paper, the Great Bible. They called it the Great Bible because of its size. It was, it was, uh, it was really huge, uh, and that's why they called it the Great Bible. Fifteen thirty-nine, and. The Great Bible became the standard version of English-speaking people, people for a long time. And I think it's funny now, uh, when uh, later on, when they come at King James's time, and they translated, 99% of Christians who were out of the out of the Catholic Church? They 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 were the Protestants. Ninety nine percent of them rejected the King James Bible, and it took over a hundred and fifty years to get people to believe the King James Bible. They made this their standard Bible, and that's that's 
I mean, it was it was the best up to date that ever had been, um, and uh, but it was called the Great Bible. Uh, then the Geneva Bible, fifteen sixteen, uh, and uh, the Bishop's Bible. I think I've got a. Uh, the Bishop's Bible there. Here's a here's a copy, and and some of these these books are still uh, are still where you can see them. Uh, okay, go to the next slide. Ain't got that other slide up. Hmm. Okay. Um. Here we then after after the Geneva and the Bishop comes the King James. And, of course, we know that was 1611. And if you notice the little, just go ahead and put it back on the uh, uh, the list of the versions here. If you notice King James, I got it kind of colored to see. King James was based on the Geneva. The 40, there were 47 men translated King James uh, scholars. And they use the Geneva Bible, and then there's a little bar back behind there uh, that drops down to the Matthews Bible, and they and, and follow that line all the way back down to Tyndale, and that's the, all versions that was used. They used a conglomeration of versions when uh, when the King James uh, version. Uh, was um, uh, was put uh, put together, but after, like I said, about 150 years, the King James Bible uh, became accepted, and it was it was it was the Bible from then up to to our day. Uh, and there's other versions, and I'm um, uh, going to have to wrap this up for tonight. Uh, what I want to, what I want to uh, say about uh, King King James, uh, when you're reading in the King James, uh, you'll come across a word that's italicized, and any word in the King James Bible that you see it's written in italics, it means it wasn't in the original. It's something that the 47 scholars added. They thought it would help clarify what's being said. Uh, and you'll find a lot of that. But what I will end on with a note and see if anybody has any questions. A lot of people, and they get, when you begin to talk about going back to the original, I, you know, there's, there's a lot of preachers, you know, I don't think you ought to use a strong concordance and go back and say, well, the Greek said it like this or whatever. Uh, when, when the Bible was written in the original, it was written as men were inspired by God. And any translation is only as good as the ones who was translating and how much they were inspired. And I've had people uh, uh, say, well, you know, I'll stick to this original King James that I got. Don't nobody have the original King James Bible? You don't have it? You remember I, I showed you?
cobble or words. The English language was changed. Well, now, right here, this right here is the original King James Version, just like it came out in 1611. Uh, you'll notice there. Uh, spellings and all through it. As a language changes, there has to be revision. The Bible that most people call the New King James today, that makes the fifth time the King James has been redone. That is fact. That's, that's a lot of people won't believe that, but I'm telling you folks, I want that, that makes the fifth time Anybody's welcome to look at this uh, and look through it and see. I mean, I, I was told about I hate to try to try to sit down and read Heimdall's or, or Wycliffe's or, or, or some of those others. The King James is just the same. I'll, and if you'll open your Bible, you've got a King James Bible. To the word Savior, this is just one example. And notice how they spell the word Savior in it. It's wrong. Because the word Savior is not spelled that way in Rome. I started preaching when I was 14. Everybody knows that. I was still in school. Do you know, because I started preaching, my life was To revive, and as language, I mean, there are new words added all the time, and words don't get obsolete. Uh, there's a word that that was used quite often in the King James called uh, "congregation," and that was the one. I began to look deeper. Years ago, I was over Brother Mac's house. Uh, one time, and uh, somebody gave him a, 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 a big copy of a Strong's Concordance. And uh, 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 I was over, he said, he's Brother Sam, he said, you want this? He says, I, he says, I can't make heads or tails of this thing. And he said, you can have it. I said, well, yeah, thank you, Brother Mac. And I began to look up words in the Strong's Concordance, and it didn't take me too long. 
I remember, I'm, I remember very vividly. One day, I slammed that thing down, and I throwed it over in the corner. I said, I ain't reading that junk no more. And you know why? Because what I was finding out, how it was originally meant to say, is not what I've been taught to believe all my life. And it fluffed up and roughed up my feathers. And when, uh, when, the, when the scriptures talk about uh, watching our, our conversation, back in 1611, the word conversation had, more, uh, had less to do with talk and had more to do with actions. Matter of fact, it means actually behavior. Not just your speech, but your overall behavior. And as I begin to see that, those things begin to really open up the Word of God to me uh, in, a, in, in a powerful way. And uh, I'm, I'm thankful, amen, what God's allowed me to, to see and understand and, and, and learn. And we should never close our minds to, to knowledge that's right knowledge, that, that's based right. Anybody got any comments or questions? I've got to uh, uh, cut this off uh, this evening. Yes, sis. That's great. Yeah. Wow. 